0: You are now tuned in to another episode of Bourbon and Books the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev.
1: And welcome to Bourbon and Books on another edition of the Game Recognized Game Podcast with RLJ and Kev, along with our dear brother, Cousin Jeff. What
2: up? Happy holidays.
1: Happy holidays, man. Happy holidays to you both, gentlemen. I'm actually surprised that... uh, we, we kept this thing pushing through the holidays and actually uh, got through a book over the holidays. That's impressive.
0: Hey, man, I was on PTO. I had no excuse as to not.
1: <laughs> I think we all deserve a pat on the back. For,
0: for, I agree. For, for, I agree. For, for yeah. For yeah.
1: Plugging it, plugging <laughs> it along.
0: Because we could have yeah. given an excuse like, ah, man, it's cold outside. Yeah,
1: <laughs> man, it's the break. It's the break, man. It's the break. We'll, we'll reconvene in the new year. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, man, so, um, and, and uh, we we picked an interesting book for this month, uh, has nothing to do with the holidays, by the way, but in the spirit of black authors, um, it was somewhat timely, um, Roland Martin, man, Roland Martin, the, uh, acclaimed journalist, uh, media mogul, uh, former CNN contributor, commentator on TV One, Um, owner of the Black Star Network and uh, where his show is housed, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, Roland Martin dropped dropped a book at the end of the year, well, the last quarter of the year, back in September of 2022, entitled White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Crazy. Well, let me let me reiterate, that was my interpretation. How the brownie of America is making white folks lose their minds. There because I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's I, what it's called. I think, it, I think it's all of the above, though, yeah. but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying?
0: The title, so, okay, yeah. sorry, white, not the white title. Fear. The white cover.
1: How the brownie of America is making white folks lose their
0: minds. Initial thoughts on the cover.
1: Um... The cover, the cover summarized the title to me because it's a picture of the January 6th insurrection yes, sir. Um, at the Capitol, and it's got all of uh, various citizens of America <laughs> protesting, <laughs> air quotes, I'm saying that lightly, um, on the steps of the United States Capitol. We got Confederate flags waving around, American flags waving around, Trump flags waving around, all on the cover. And then white fear is in big, bold white letters.
0: With there's a white man with his arm stretched out like Jesus on the cross,
1: like Christ. Yeah, <laughs> did you see that?
0: That's all. That's what we. This is what we are doing, Roland. <laughs> Imagery was good.
1: Yeah, yeah. So. Um, yeah, the, the, the title the title kind of coincided with the with the picture uh, on the cover of the book, Brother Jay, in my opinion. Did
0: it cover make you like did it entice you to like want to dive into this book? Or did it make your chest tight like it did mine?
1: Um, it made my chest a little tight, right? Um, but I think it was also timely that we picked out um we picked this book with um the January sixth committee report that has come out the eight hundred and ninety-five pages of what I like to call pure unadulter fuckery mm. that I just can't believe happened um in the executive branch of the United States of America. I mean, you know, some of the stuff that was kind of called out in the report, I'm just like, yo, what country are we living in, man? That ain't that ain't America. So I, I think it was timely, but yeah, it made my chest tight. But then it's like, all right, well, let's let's see what he's talking about, but but nothing surprised me. Mm
2: so uh, a lot of uh, thoughts my way first i'll say look you, how you gonna um introduce roland martin and not say a proud member of alpha phi alpha fraternity
1: well this, oh, well he, he he makes that known himself and i, would that's say, what I was gonna say if, this i man would say if, if you like, read i would say if you read the book he'll he'll tell you that and, and he has he has no he has no problem shouting out his fraternity
2: it'll be random <laughs> That yeah, man proud. Yeah. That man is proud.
1: And it's okay. And it's so you know I, I I I love I love all of our divine nine brothers and sisters from from sea to shining sea. Man, Roland Martin is included in that, and a lot of great men that he quoted and cited in the book, especially Martin Luther King, who's a, mm-hmm. uh, one of the one of the, the strongest men of alpha phi alpha fraternity that I know. or have have have, have learned about Martin Luther King Jr. Mm-hmm.
0: Martin Luther the
2: King.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, we yeah he he's a member of Alpha Phi Alpha fraternity incorporated, yeah.
2: So no, you know I just had to say that other other thing too is definitely <laughs> have to shout him out because Roland Martin is actually one of the reasons why uh, the proposal I did went viral. He retweeted it on his uh, social media as well as when he did um, his show the next day, and he was recalling uh, the game Howard versus Hampton. He put that picture on there, so shout out to Roland Martin.
1: Oh, the picture with you, just like drinking champagne with him on the deck, on the patio deck. <laughs> Wasn't that the picture? That's the picture you referring to, right?
2: No, no, it was, it was just not. a, <laughs> just a selfie. It was a Martin. selfie. Me and my fiance at the time, and then Roland Martin, and then
1: Roland Martin. But y'all, but you was like in the VIP area. That's what, like, we were. Howard, we how and him. Basically said, alum's common dude. folk
0: couldn't reach
1: that. Yeah, man. <laughs> that's only. What
0: I, uh, that's what I heard.
1: You had to be an Alpha or a or Howard or Hampton. I got you. I'm tracking.
2: But no. Nah, that, this has the Jack top. and
1: Jill written all over <laughs> it, Joe. <Jeff. laughs>
2: oh, the privilege. On the record, I got kicked out of Jack and Jill. How did you get kicked? We'll talk about that on that's another show. a story show. for another day. I mean, I'm writing that
0: down because I need to remember um, that.
2: But no. Nah, shout out to him for that. In terms of this book cover, I would say it made my chest like clench up a little bit. And reason being, you know, growing up, I've never been like a big history buff, Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's been because I never liked the history that they were trying to teach me for, you know, whatever reason that may be, I you know, I've always kind of steered clear of things that kind of delve a lot into just like history uh, pieces. So when I saw this book you know, by the cover, I'm just like, ooh, you know. And, and like you said, the, the kind of, the words underneath the title, it tells you what it's gonna be about. So I, I wasn't surprised about what he was gonna talk about, but at the same time too, you know, as someone who worked in the government, I just tend to not be in, engulfed in it, you know, all the time. So I, I wasn't, I wouldn't say like, I was like super excited, however, I'm just going to keep it real. When I knew how many pages it was, I said, you know what? I can get through this, (laughs) that I can get through this.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Roland Martin for your, uh, for, for being concise.
2: I I agree. (laughs) I was appreciative, (laughs) but no, that that was my initial like thoughts in, in terms of the book.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, I echo my chest got tight. Uh, and in my head after we was like, Alright, cool, this is what we're gonna read, I looked at the cover, I was like, Why the F we picked this book? Like, <laughs> like I just I'm still not there yet, right? To where I can see something and not be emotionally triggered. impacted. Yeah, and triggered. So I was like, Alright I got the audible book because I knew if something made my chest tight in paperback, I would probably ruin or t- toss and so um but yeah i did i I was definitely looking at the contrast of the colors on the cover um definitely peaked at um the different flags, the political signs for a particular candidate um the guy who was Posing it if it was his crucifixion. Um, and I thought the picture was perfect for the subtitle. Um, because that was a day that, <laughs> this is going to sound horrible, um, but I'm going to say it anyway. That was the day black people were like, hmm, told you. ta." <laughs> and, I, and I couldn't I can say this with y'all y'all family and our listeners. There was a day like when I first saw it I was like oh shit. And then within seconds I was like hmm, I, we've been we've been telling you that this existed. So now all of a sudden and so I get on social media and I'm seeing I'm seeing white tears right oh my god I can't believe this is happening and I have nothing to say people were calling and asking and you know I'm a DEI consultant and so getting on a call immediately afterwards dealing with a whole lot of white folks that wanted to talk about this and have feelings about it and I just sat there quiet muted like this once they was done I was like okay great now that we've got that out Current events. Let's dive into today's agenda, right? I just kept the root, kept it moving, and people were confused as to like, "Hey, how is this not bothering you?" And I was like, "We we've told you that this was going to happen." Now look at you, look at you, y'all is losing y'all shit on national TV, and for once, ain't got shit to do with us.
1: like, <laughs> you like, know, the, you know, the you know the crazy part about it is. I think I was questioning more so about some of the brothers that was live in living color in that joint. <laughs> like the like the dude, the dude that uh took his album cover, he got it, he snapped a picture for his album cover in front of the joint.
0: And ended up in jail, didn't he?
1: Yeah, he well, they just sentenced him. I think he got six months. He got six months in jail. Dumbass. Yeah, man. Six months in jail. So it's like I wonder that the guy that's posing as Jesus Christ on the cover. <laughs> I wonder that he get like did he get at least six months? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I I'm I'm curious. I'm curious, man.
0: Yeah, man, I just you know I, the title, White People Was Losing They Shit, Yes, I agree. When we opened the book and when we hit play, um what what
1: stood out um to you? Um, Jeff Jeff kind of alluded to it earlier. He you know was talking about the the not necessarily being a history buff, and the one thing that I could appreciate um, was the context that uh, Brother Martin laid out, given a historical perspective of significant events in U.S. history, mm. where black and brown people have made progress. And then almost immediately after that progress takes place, something wild happens to set people back. Yeah. and he kind of he kind of starts well he kind of ends the book, he's talking about um, he's talking about the Voting Rights Act.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he's talking about the Voting Rights Act of 1965, how back in 2013, um, a certain section of the Voting Rights Act was gutted, and that then brought about a lot of this gerrymandering, redistricting, and uh, voter ID laws across a lot of the southern states to try to prevent people from voting. And that's a direct result of eight years of power by the first Black president of the United States. And so it it wasn't, I was like, oh, you know, it wasn't an aha moment, but I think historically he kind of just rolled out different segments you know even after reconstruction how a lot of free slaves were getting into political offices and um, making money and then all of a sudden you got 80 years of Jim Crow right talks about um, Greenwood and Tulsa and then you know that you know the 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 black excellence that was exhibited then and they burned it to the ground right Um, you know speaking in terms of a lot of the uh, progress that the civil rights movement um made in the sixties then in the seventies you still fighting equal housing equal housing discrimination and so it's it's just it's crazy to me that um this concept of white fear he he talks about it's not really about white privilege or um White, it's not about white privilege and it's not about, not about white innocence, it's about white ignorance. And that ignorance is essentially played out on both sides of the aisle, regardless if you're a Republican or if you're a Democrat, because he also cites you know progress of, of blacks and then that, and then uh, Bill Clinton has the 94 crime bill that pretty much destroys black communities for generations and generations. And then uh, he he goes into um, he kind of starts off the book by talking about the Browning of America. And, you know, by twenty forty three, there's no there's no there's there's not going to be a majority uh, population. I think white white folks will make up about forty two percent of the population. They're going down, <laughs> you know. And so we will we will legit we will legitimately have a minority majority as it relates to people of color in america by the year 2043 and as he weaves out the historical context and it gives a, a pretty i i believe um black and white no point intended look and pathway as far as how we got the 45th president of the united states And what caused that and the fear associated with that and the fact that um, it's really not about um, race. It's about power. And for black and brown people to progress and elevate in America, Mm -hmm. the white fear is that whites will lose something as a result of black and brown people being elevated. And the 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 catalyst behind that fear, uh, it plays out in very real moments that I think people are just really unaware of.
2: I agree a hundred percent with that. I mean, you hit on a lot of things that, you know, I would call out. One of the lines I want to read because just going through this book, it reminded me of something that Van Lathan. And for those who don't remember, Van Lathan was the guy who called out Kanye when he came to TMZ talking crazy. And he was the only one in the room with sense to call him out on his BS. But Van Lathan, it was in a probably like a two, three minute, and I won't call it like a rant, but he says, the more you read, the more things you will know. That's one line of of the whole thing he was talking about. And um, it was like a, a a, a podcast. But well, what he was really speaking to is one, people need to stop getting on the internet and listening to dumb people. And what he was meaning by dumb people is you listen to somebody who has looked at a meme, somebody who is just regurgitating for what somebody else has said. He was like, do the work. Do the work means read a book. I'm not going to do it for you. You should not be waiting for somebody else to read something and then always giving you the information and I felt like that's what this book was. It was only 160 pages, but it gave you a lot of insight when we talk about just black politics kind of like in America and just just talking about a lot of those what I would use is like these catchphrases or words that we we've always heard or that we've always seen. You know, one would be um Uh, white working class I'm sorry because they don't even use the word white but working class we hear it thrown around a lot but it's like who exactly are you talking about when talking about this working class also too um again uh Kev you, you talked about some of this when we talk about you know white supremacy but like it's really on whiteness and like why black people will say hey like you're at an advantage and he talks about how whiteness is a currency.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, through is a book. yeah.
2: He goes through this book saying, you know, it would be nice to walk into a Walmart and not just and not for someone who worked there to assume that, oh, you're about to steal. He was like, that is privilege and that is a currency, like that just we won't have. So I felt like this this book really just went through. Because it was more than just the basics, like you had to have like some form of like knowledge of like what goes on in this political sphere. But it just kind of defined those or it kind of just put stuff together. And I'm going to say this because, you know, a lot of people don't want to uh, be real about, you know, politics and like what they know or if a new term. I may be the last person on Earth, but I did not know that Donald Trump stole that slogan from uh, Ronald Reagan, and oh, he, told, he
1: stole the whole playbook.
2: Right, he stole I, well, his whole playbook. I yeah, I wasn't even like aware. And, and again, this this comes back to just like reading and knowing. And, and I get it when we say, you know, if you don't know your history, it's just going to repeat itself. A lot of times, folks aren't doing anything new. You see that in a lot of stuff in, in world music. Oh, you get old enough, you're like, oh, I know that song. I know the, you, well, one, you think it's the original. It ain't even the original. It's a copy of Somebody Else Don't Did It. I mean, look, some of Luther's best songs, I feel like, them the things weren't originals. Word. But he sung them like it was he his. Sung, Made he them. sung the
1: hell out of them covers, Made man. them joints.
2: <laughs> but, you know, my point is, just like with the whole history piece is, when you know history then everything that's happening or about to happen you can call it before it occurs and I liked a lot of what this book did was basically it just gave you I feel like niblets or like just nuggets of information and just piece things together to say hey look follow this and and you will see what will happen last thing I'll say too is um What you find a lot, and I won't just say like from this book, but one of the conclusions that I feel like I I, I came up with in terms of Democrats and Republicans, I feel like Democrats, we played a short game. We always thinking about like the now, you know, oh, we had a black president, like, oh, we good. or, Or, oh, VP was black or, oh, I voted. That was good enough and I, I voted for the president of the U.S., not even thinking about, like, your local elections, and you're thinking about, like, mainly the short term. I feel like what Republicans be doing, they be thinking, like, long term. Okay, what would this mean a decade or two decades from now? Like, how are we positioning um, this particular appointee? And I think that's something that we just have to do a little bit better with in terms of, politics, but just like in life, not just thinking about short term, but thinking about long term. And I like that this book kind of, from my perspective, like it it talked about it in a a certain viewpoint, if I should say.
1: And to your point, Jeff, um, one of the things that he calls out in the book, he talks about the judicial system in America and um, the fact that Obama appointed, he, he tried to appoint over a hundred judges to to various levels of the bench, including uh, Merrick Garland, his last mm-hmm. appointee to the Supreme Court bench, and they were all blocked. Yep. But then, uh, you know, a, a Republican-controlled Senate then goes back and you know, kind of does the opposite for Trump. So when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away, within two months, they got some white woman who was unqualified. To fill her her place, and so when you talk about playing that long game, the long game that was really eye opening for me in the book was the fact that forty five uh appointed over three hundred and fifty judges to district district court uh benches appellate court benches yeah. uh three three supreme court justices, and the strategy was that they were gonna appoint people that were young yep. starting at the age of 35 yep. all the way to maybe 50. So now you have a judicial system that has a very very conservative and right wing ap- approach to um law mm-hmm. that's going to be in place for the next two generations. Yeah. So when you talk about long game like McConnell that like that's the that's the play and and, and then when you think about the fact that um America is becoming less white because white folks are having fewer babies yep. and the, the 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 birth rate and the death rate are running neck and neck right now Opioid therefore
2: crisis
1: exactly and so now um when you think about that the fact that white folks will be in the minority at some point but at the same time over 85% of these appointees were white mhm Seventy seventy six percent of those appointees were white men. Yep, you run in the game. You run in the game for the next fifty years. With with one with one simple with one simple stroke of a pen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you you're right. I I think that was a call out that stung a little bit. You know, people like people not playing the long game.
0: Yeah, I, I would say. moving my, my biases out of the way, and particularly the ones pertaining to the man that wrote the book. I appreciated the historical breakdown for the background. Um, and I felt as if the book was a longer editorial piece the way it flowed i'm going to give you some breakdown some context for the content and then boom um most of the things that he shared i heard over the past year or so um that was relevant right to the time in addition to the historical context Um, a lot of that stuff we didn't learn in, you know, public schools, unless you had a black teacher that went beyond a little four sentence paragraph in your social studies book. So it was, I think it was, it was refreshing to hear all of this put into context for the content in which he was writing. Um, do I think the book could have been a little longer? I think the, the action items portion could have been more, I don't know, descriptive. I, I think there could have been, it felt rushed. The action items felt rushed. Like, oh, let me go ahead and end this. I got a, I got a word limit. I reached so many words, maybe I got to pay another tier of membership for the whatever. I don't know. It's what it felt like. Um, but you know, overall, I thought it was a good read. I do believe that the book was not written for us. Um, unfortunately, I don't believe the people it was written for will be reading the book um, right now. Will they eventually read it? I think they. some will read it to find out what the hell is in the book so they can talk about it amongst their friends. But I do think as we continue to have the browning of America, I think there is also a turn that has taken place with those who don't fit into the black or brown categories. I think they're slowly starting to see, right? He talked about the white ignorance. They're slowly starting to see, uh, oh, oh shit. Maybe we do need to evolve our thinking or maybe maybe I need to cuss my aunt out or my uncle out that's racist. I might need to stop supporting these individuals who support the things that were just discussed here. Like when he broke down CRT um, that made my chest tight. But it was, it was another attempt to remain superior, right? Like, if, if we let the masses know that this is what really happened, like, there's no coming back from a lot of this shit. Even though it's in black and white and it's in movies and people are starting to get exposed to it, they're like, yeah, no, until we say it's true, it's not true. We call that delusion. But, you know, overall, I think the book, it was a solid read. Um, I just, I wish there was more
2: to chew on in terms of the action items. So I have a question based off of actually a line that he says in in the book. It's actually a phrase. He says, we're doing a disservice to ourselves. If when we go home at the end of the day, we only associate with the same kind of people Never venture outside of our comfort zone to eat with other people, worship with other people, or understand the cultures and opinions of others. We are living a lie every day if we don't acknowledge the truth of how we're living in this country. So I guess my question is, is like, are we doing ourself a disservice by, you know, we we work a nine to five <laughs> For the most part you know our jobs are diverse and if what i would categorize on our free time things and places where we control we can decide what we want to do like we should also now be di- we should be intentional um of diversifying like these spaces and things that we do it's like one you know do you do those things and do you think Yourself, or we are are doing ourselves a disservice by not doing that. If you don't,
1: I have I have kind of two trains of thought on that. Um, I mean, I understand what he was saying. I think, I think, I understood it more when he kind of referenced to to Ronald's point. If uh, if you live in a predominantly white neighborhood and you're you're white and your children are white and all your children play with uh, white white kids and you attend a white church and you go to a predominantly white school and every 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 person in your social circle is white to challenge the question why is everyone in my neighborhood in my community white why aren't there any other people of color if we are kind of going down this pathway to becoming a uh country where there are more minorities than white folks. and so I think part of that was a challenge to white folk. I think being black in America, you you kind of have two trains of thought, right? To your point, Jeff, I want to work and get my education and make some money and take care of my family and set my family up for the future. Yes, I think the, the quote, he's also challenging us to not be complacent with just doing that, to to say, all right, if you are uh, a, a member in government, don't just work and do your 20 years and retire, try to elevate and and, and get into rooms that maybe we aren't accustomed to getting in or try to uh, figure out how you can gain more influence and power within that, within that structure to open up more opportunities for more Black people. That, that is one of those cases where it's like beauty is in the eye of the beholder because on one end, that takes work. That takes you being uncomfortable. That takes you uh, probably going through some challenges and conflict to get there. Um, I don't know if the spirit of our ancestors uh, that fought during the Civil War or post post uh, Reconstruction or during the Civil Rights Movement they fought and they had to be progressive. They had to they had to not accept no for an answer, right? I think currently Black folks in America, you kind of have two factions. You have fo- Black folks that don't care, and you have Black folks that just care about themselves. And because, because the, the collective, you know, we're not a monolithic race, We're not a, we don't have a monolithic way of thinking, people have different interpretations of what's right. And so I think the quote was really to try to challenge people to not settle, because there's still a fight going on and we're losing the battle and if we don't take a stand for something then you know we we're going to we're going we're gonna to be victim we're going to continue to be victimized so i don't know i don't know what the right answer to your question is i just think and i feel as if black folks been struggling man and when you get a little piece of Whatever success looks like in your mind, within your community, you want to hold on to it. And it's crazy because we are in a system that's not a system of our own and we become like the system. So we're in a capitalistic society. It's dog eat dog. Let me get mine. I don't care about you. And that way of thinking and that that level of white fear, I also believe has infiltrated the black community as well. Because if that's the case, how else would you get somebody like Clarence Thomas, man? Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas was uh, was uh, appointed to the Supreme Court bench after Thurgood Marshall passed away, man. Think about that. Completely different perspective, completely different view.
0: Completely Black. different
1: wife. Yeah. Oh, that. Oh, man. That's not even getting to that, but you know, but a, a different perspective. And I think, you know, as we evolve as a people, yo, you got, you know, you got people like Clarence Thomas that l- really believe in his heart of hearts that, you know, the, the Voting Rights Act is unnecessary. But at the same time, he's benefiting from the Voting Rights Act being gutted. You know what I'm saying? So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. I just know it's. I think it's, a, I, I, and to, to Ronald, to your point, I think he dropped the ball of really establishing a, a greater call to action that was meaningful. Like for example, yeah, should we want to aspire to get into the C-suite of organizations? Do we want as as, as black folks, uh, black Gen X's and millennials, should we want to aspire to hold political office? Should we want to aspire to uh, gain influence and power and economic worth to make the change from within, yes, but different strokes for different folks, everybody not built like that. It's unfortunate, but everybody ain't built like that, so I think he kind of he kind of dropped the ball in that regard, and then another thing that I didn't really uh, i didn't really i'm gonna hold him accountable, but I understand if fifty five percent of white women voted for 45. Well, the first time, the, the first when he was elected, I think 52% of white women voted for 45. And the most recent presidential election, 55% of white women voted for, 50, for 45. But at the same time, you want to talk about women's rights and you voted for the dude that supported the Supreme Court justices to pretty much shit on women's rights. And eliminate Roe v. Wade. So, like, who 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 are you holding accountable? Like, it ain't because this is the thing that I, I I get tired of the Democratic Party um, when it comes to Black folks. The Democratic Party expect their wins and losses to fall solely on the backs of Black folks, turning out Black folks to vote. You know, if you, if we lose if we lose if we lose Georgia, it's because we didn't turn out the Black vote. If we lose Pennsylvania, it's because we didn't turn out the Black vote. But at the same time, as, as Brother Martin pointed out, um, where, were, where were the, um, the election, the election uh, lies really uh, started? Black cities, Milwaukee, Detroit, Atlanta, and Philadelphia. And so even, even the Republicans are kind of using that mantra against us, like, oh, oh well, yeah, we got to keep the Blacks from voting. And then you got white folks saying, well, we got to turn out the black vote, but you're not doing anything to support voting rights legislation. You're not doing anything to support uh, policing and and getting the George Floyd uh, police reform bill across or the Emmett Till anti-lynching bill supported. So it's almost as if like, yo, don't hold us accountable, hold everybody accountable. But I just think it's going to come, it's going to come a reckoning in America in about another 20 years that the people who have had the power and the influence they're going to feel a certain kind of way because there's going to be a different narrative told about American history because I I as an American ex- have experienced America different than you different than Ronald the same way a, a Asian brother or sister has experienced America or a Latin brother or sister or a Native American brother or sister have, has experienced America so like we're we're becoming more mature within this system and he's challenging us to try to make change, but he's not necessarily saying how, because you've already identified a structure that is prohibitive.
0: I would say when, for your question, my perspective is he doesn't want us. He's not wanting the reader to do it every day. Like when you come home and X, Y, and Z, I, I think it is a moment of reflection, like, let me take into consideration these things. To Jeff's point, I think that the intention was for those folks on the cover that are losing their mind to exercise it more so than those who weren't there. Because all day long, we're living in a diverse world. Whether you want to believe it or not, I think about organizations that I've worked in and it was predominantly black. It was just a microcosm of like what we really were experiencing because when we walked outside of those doors, everyone wasn't like the people we worked with. Um, public transit, you go, depend, even when you live in predominantly black or brown cities, gentrification. And so, we're constantly dwelling among those that don't look like us. Because we gotta live. Those that don't look like us are doing so... In terms of like the lack of browning that they are around. Like that's intentional. Right? Like they are putting things in place. To prevent us. From moving into their neighborhoods. Right? Like when you think about the housing situation. Yeah, I want to live in a neighborhood, but you just told me that the house was six, five. But I look around and no other house in the neighborhood is worth six, five. And the person that doesn't look like me just bought it for two, five. So of course, you're not going to have anybody that doesn't look like us in the neighborhood because initially, once you tell us the price, be like this. No, we're not going to investigate. We're not going to fight. We're going to go somewhere where we can get good customer service, be respected as a human and and live a pretty decent life. Um, To your point in terms of like the recharging. I ain't gonna hold you. After a nine to five. I'm no. Hell, I don't want to hang out with people that look like me. The hell I'm a hang out with people who intentionally don't look like me like. And I'm exhausted because chances are I was dealing with y'all all day at work and not because we work together, but because we work for the same company and you've been a progress blocker all day. So now you, you, you want me to eat? Nope. No, I'm not, I'm not going to do it, but you don't have
1: the currency that they have
0: that part, right? Like you you caused hell all day to these people trying to do their job. And now you want to get invited (laughs) to, to commune? No, that's not how that works. And I, I just when I when I think about like my circles, my circles are very diverse with the exception of one race. Right? There's different religions present, different nationalities, different ethnic and racial groups, different languages, different cultural groups. Right, so all the the things, all the things that make us as melanated people beautiful, they're all in my group. um, In my circles. I would say that I don't have many people that aren't within the black and brown melanated group in my circles as one. No, (laughs) Like, like, like there's a lack of trust. Because of history. Um, And then the things that he discussed in the book. And so a lot of the times when we get together. It's a support group to how we manage this world. And systems that were created. For us not to prosper. And I remember one of my colleagues said something once before. He was like we all know that there are systems in place. And if we ever benefit from it. It's not because it was by design. So to bring it back to your question. My groups are very diverse. Am I coming home from work and say, Hey, let's sing Kumbaya. No. Cause I've been singing Kumbaya all day. And when I come home to my sanctuary, no, I don't, I don't want you to be here. Right. This, this is not the time for us to, have political debates and I don't, I'm not interested in learning about your culture, right? That will soon become a minority here, right? I'm not interested in hearing about white ignorance. I'm just not, not after dealing with it throughout the day and navigating around it. So I don't go to jail and I can still collect my check. Yeah. I'm not interested in doing that. And I highly doubt that he's doing this every day. I highly doubt. Sounds good. He
1: talking trash. He talking trash. You know what I'm saying? He he definitely talking trash. It sounds good.
0: But I mean, I'm pretty sure he ain't got no uh, dinner guests that don't look like him every day at the Roland Martin. I, but I mean, it sounded good. The rhetoric sounded good.
1: I haven't seen, I haven't really seen a, I haven't seen a white correspondent on his show.
0: All right, black that, that's power like, fist scale.
1: <laughs> be, that's like a, no, but no, be, be no. Uh, real talk. Real no, talk I, to I'm, answer the question. I don't I don't I don't even recall seeing a a, a white correspondent on his show, um Roland Martin Unfiltered. That's like a routine guest, you know, up there. So I, I'm not I'm not sure. Mm.
0: There you have it. Mm. But on the black power fist scale, what do we What Agee?
1: Man, I thought it was a solid read over the holidays, man. It kind of gave me some gave me uh something to take my mind off of what was what was really going on um, I find these books, and this is probably like the second book we've read that was referencing and citing historical events of the last three years, and so um I find hearing these things, I don't know if I'm numb to it or if it if if the events haven't settled in for me, or if they've settled in for me. And so um some of it I can't take it seriously because, like, even you know, starting off the book with uh, the January 6th insurrection, I'm like, hmm. I don't think white folks taking that seriously. So why should I take it seriously? <laughs> because, I, I mean, my heart of hearts, uh, you know, like you said, I ain't going to hold you. My heart of hearts, man, I feel like the January 6th committee and that 900 pages they put out, man, that they joint going they to end up in uh, the, shredded, the shredded box <laughs> over the next six months, man. Like, I, I just paper. don't see, yeah, I don't see, I don't see, like, any tangible results coming from it, unfortunately.
2: Are they going to be teaching it in school?
1: that and see that part right or, or and if they're gonna teach it in school are they gonna really teach the true context of it all or are they gonna or are they gonna whitewash it <laughs> see what you did there ah right so to 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 that point man i'ma still give the book i'ma still give the book a solid four fish because i do i do think it's important that um we collectively have a good understanding of what's going on and what's taking place and then we we can choose we can choose to uh indulge or not, right? And so I appreciate the fact that he kind of laid out a historical context. I appreciate the fact that um he tried to challenge the establishment um where i couldn't really I couldn't really get down. I don't think he I don't think he did enough to really challenge the white liberal the white liberal power structure, to be frank with you. Because one of the things that he keeps reiterating throughout the book is how white silence is part of the problem as well. And if if you if you're gonna hold if you're gonna hold Mitch McConnell to a certain standard, then you got to hold Bernie Sanders to that same standard. You got to hold Elizabeth Warren to that same standard. You got to hold uh, Tim Kaine or Mark Warren in Virginia here to that same standard. Because at the end of the day, they all share the same common currency, regardless of your political affiliation. And so I don't think he really did. I I I, I think he I think he walked on eggshells with that because you know, white liberals that, that they're his supporters. And he don't hide it. So, but I give it four fish, man. I thought it was a solid read. I would encourage, you know, if you're just looking for a a, a nice little book, short book over the holidays or while you got some downtime, check it out. And hopefully it at least gets you thinking about how you can um, make a difference on the local state and even federal, uh, federal, uh, federal political systems. Um, I didn't get a sense that that it would inspire me to, you know, go out and be great. And pick up my John Lewis flag and keep it pushing because, like you said, brother Jay, I pick up my my John Lewis flag every day. In the spaces that I'm in. So four
2: fists for me. I will add on to that by saying, you know, starting off what I talked about in the beginning, um, as Ronald kind of said, you this book title or this cover made me tighten up my chest a little bit but I think in terms of when we talk race in America I feel like we just conditioned at this point to whether you're black brown or white it's just like something where people get a little hesitant to talk about um, and because of that you know I didn't really have high expectations in terms of this book because it, it wasn't it wasn't subject matter that I would have gravitated to um, nor would I have suggested. However, I'm going to keep it real. Like I always do book. Wasn't too long. So I said, why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> what was the worst that can happen? <laughs> um, And I, I think I was a bit into, so I actually bought the hardcover book and I was a bit intentional on in doing that because one, It's like, to a certain extent, like I wanted to support Roland Martin in his book. And I'm not saying you can't do that in Audible, but you know, if when he's like looking at data, like, oh, I I sold this book out at Barnes and Noble, or I sold it out in X place, I wanted to kind of contribute to it. I will say this, or a few things that I I, uh, noticed, a lot of these bookstores only had one copy, which I thought was a bit interesting. The other thing is the first time that I went and I asked for the book, they couldn't find this one copy, but I was kind of like, you know, almost like, y'all got white fear? <laughs> and I was like, why I'm like, why am I whispering? Do you have white fear? Like that's the book that I came to, to get and read. And who was <laughs> who was looking for this book for me? <laughs> A white person, which made it at first, it made it a little bit awkward. But I was like, you know what, we got to start getting uncomfortable <laughs> about these titles and what's going on in America. So, because I'm gonna shout
1: it, oh. hey man! But that's that's what he was talking about, though. You know what I'm saying? Like you you are you are the change.
2: Yeah, and Y'all I was got that America. white fear up in here. The book.
1: <laughs> Yo, man, you got that white fear on the shelf? Why you ain't got it? <laughs>
0: Oh, you sold out? Ah, uh, you sold had... out of your white yeah, 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 Okay. No, it was
2: always, we supposed to have one copy. <laughs> like, oh, let me only see if, one? Let
1: me
0: see if I can.
2: <laughs> but, yeah, so I was intentional about buying a book, um, and I just noticed, like, kind of like, that behavior uh, with me. Going back to what Van Lathan said, you know, I think it's important that Black folks read especially when when it comes to history of this country. We cannot rely on a friend to tell us all this information or a couple of memes that we're seeing here and there. We don't know who created them. There is no citations at the bottom. It's just such and such put this meme together. Or you have, you know, the, the one person who is a bit woke. They've done like their own research, but they probably are also... Communicate in a way on their platform that's benefiting them. And they still may not be telling the whole story because you you need to know things in context. With that being said, I don't think this this book was the end all be all, meaning that in terms of race relations in America, this this book is not going to do all of that for you. However, I think this book is a good starter. And I still think that this should be a part of someone's like toolkit. In terms of just like what does that look like? You know, how did we kind of end up here? Um, you know, I'm hearing like these terms. Uh where it's not even where do these terms come from. It's like in short narratives, like what does that mean? It doesn't take a whole chapter to, to tell me what does uh the middle class mean. I, I can tell you in a sentence or two, and so that it makes sense. So I appreciated that this book, you know, it was short but it wasn't difficult language that was being utilized as a result i'm gonna go ahead and give it uh i'm gonna give it uh four fists as well i i i think this i think it was a pretty solid again and and i'm saying that from how i think it should be utilized i don't i don't think for someone who is maybe super woke or, you know, they they have a lot of information and they've done a lot of their homework, research, they read a lot of books on, like, race in America, this may be too elementary for them. But I think when you are talking to, like, and they don't have to just be a colleague or a neighbor, because I feel like for black, brown, or white folks, like, when you talk about a collection of books that they may want to take a look at, I would, I would say, Hey, you may want to take a look at this. Okay. Um,
0: thank you for sharing. I will say I'm going to give it a two and a half. Um, the listeners can't see the reaction. Oh, and cousin, Jeff. Um, But they losing their shit over there. And I I don't. Jeff, go to mute because he's screaming. (laughs) Yep. Two and a half. Um, Do I think white folks need to read this? Yes. Do I think they need to pass it out around Christmas and put it in stockings? Absolutely. Um, But not only read it, I think they need to actually. Put some things into action so that we don't have to keep reading and writing books like this, right? Like this shit we've been telling you about, like it's, it's not new. And so you, yeah, I can go on a rant, but you know, similar to what Kev said about the women's rights thing. It's like y'all voted for him. And now you want to make all this noise. You want to rally. You want to pull all of the marginalized people who are being negatively impacted by this, the policies and the systems that are in place. You want us to make some noise because now you're impacted. But that white silence was real over the past 400 years. No. Read it. Take action. Um, But with my two and a half fist, it gives us um, a three and a half Average score on the Black Power Fist scale for the Bourbon and Books with the game recognized game show with RLJ and Kev. Go ahead and say what you need to say because I see it on y'all's faces. Like,
1: man, I feel weak. No I feel weak, <laughs> no. we, man. I say, I say, you gave you gave this book two and a half because it was Rolling Martin. <laughs>
2: that's that's what I feel like. That's what I
0: feel like. No. No. Listen, as no. a therapist, I will tell you that your feelings are always valid. They may not be true. But they are valid, right? I can't tell you how to feel about the information that I just gave.
1: Oh, oh man. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, Roland said, Roland said, yo, man, you got to be, we are we the change, brother Jay. Yep. We are the change.
0: Sure are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. Hey, man, well, you know, bro- brother Martin, man, you know, I, Keep doing what you're doing in media. Keep trying to educate. Keep trying to influence, man. I ain't knocking you, but you know we we support you, man. You you got a you got a, a, a C plus.
2: You got <laughs> a, a friend in two out of three of us.
1: Yeah, man. You got a friend. You got a friend in a few of us, man. You know, but that but that's the beauty. That's the beauty of black people, man. We all don't think the same, and everything don't move. Everybody, you know. So on that note, three and a half. Three and a half fists on the Black Power Fist Scale on uh, this month's edition of Bourbon and Books on the Game Recognized Game podcast with R.L.J. and our boy and brother, Cousin Jeff. White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Mind by Roland S. Martin from Roland Martin Unfiltered, also a, a brother of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity incorporated you're welcome for your three and a half fists on the black power fist scale until next time man. keep reading black men read black men discuss black men communicate and until next time and we see you all in the new year be light
2: be easy be Be better
1: than two and a half
2: (laughs) yes yes
0: yeah it sucks that we started we started the year off with a two and a half but but whatever you know um okay be like